0: awesome guys it's good to see you all here today um we're gonna pick up where we left off last week i know we're talking about living bold and living um in christ but living bold and and why we have that opportunity to live bold and everything that we do we don't do it passively as believers we do it with confidence because our place in god is sure it's a certain place it's not a uh, uh, God doesn't give us temporal salvation. He doesn't give us partial salvation. He doesn't give us salvation that's in question. He doesn't say, I only forgave half your sins, and so the other half you have to make up the difference yourself, right? It's a God who's given us everything we need. In uh, Ephesians 2.6, um, if you want to go there, and it says, and hath raised us up, and God having raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And so we're going to go a little bit through the journey of Ephesians today. There's a journey in the book of Ephesians. Um, again, Ephesians 2.6. And it talks about sitting. And I kind of brought this chair out as an example. Because when you think about sitting, right? We're seated together in heavenly places. And I kind of wanted to put together a really good example of what this looked like. Because the book of Ephesians goes through three processes, okay? Sitting, walking, then standing, in that order. I thought it would be like sitting, standing, walking, right? That's what I thought. But as I read the book, I found the language. uh, It's first sitting, okay? Then walking, and then standing. So I wanted to understand, and I wanted to... So I dove really deep into the book, and I really went into a place where, like... The reason why we start sitting, okay, this is very interesting that we start sitting because uh, God doesn't want us to believe that our seat is in question. Because this is what we've been taught in Christianity that you first must walk, then you can sit. When you've done all you can, right? When after you have done the will of God, then you can sit, right? And it's taken out of context, and we we found that you become very tired by the time you get to the chair. You feel like you've earned the chair and then the chair isn't what you thought it was because it was actually your starting position. But someone told you that you had to work for it. Someone told you, we heard echoes of echoes, right? You hear echoes of echoes. Oh, God will only honor you if you honor Him. When in reality, our ability to honor God is on the basis of Him honoring us with the sacrifice that He paid. It's His goodness that allows us to be good. It's first learning how to receive that allows us to give. Because we receive from Him. What can we give God that beats what He gives us? Nothing. There's, there's nothing. He gave us breath by grace, right? Undeserved, unearned. You didn't earn your breath. You were a baby. I was a baby. I, I couldn't perform. Right. I didn't do enough good to to get the life that God gave me, but he breathed it into me. I'm here. I'm alive. I'm existing. Right. So I'm seated. And this is the thing is that when I get up from this chair as a believer, I'm supposed to get up believing that this seat cannot be stolen. It's like going to a restaurant. Right. You place your reservations. You know how many people you place them for. Right. That chair is yours. But unlike a restaurant, this is eternal. It's bought eternally. You're seated in heavenly places. That means this seat, no man can take. But man and the devil have tried to rob us of our seat in Christ. So that when we get up and walk, we're walking, living for God, right? The Bible says, walk worthy of your calling. And if you go to um, Ephesians later on, and it says in verse 7, it says that in the ages to come, he might show the exceedingly riches of his grace. And kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace you are saved through faith. And that it is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works lest any man should boast. So he's saying this salvation isn't given. This seed is not given by any man. So no man can take it. But what we've come across is someone will tell us a good old fashioned saying, right? Well, unless you become like this, then you can lose your seat. See, what we've misunderstood in the Bible that I've I've, I've kind of taught you guys over and over is that believing you can lose your seat is the only way you lose your seat, right? Believing that something can take this seat away is what makes this seat able to be taken because the Bible says if you seek to be justified by your works, you fall from grace, right? Because now you're trying to work for the chair, therefore you've dispositioned yourself outside of the chair, to try to attain the chair, when this is your starting pose. You don't become holy, you start holy. You don't become righteous, you start righteous. You don't become provided for, you start provided for. You don't become healed, you start healed and you work that healing out by faith. It's by faith because it's not subject to feelings, because if it was subject to feelings, then if I felt good, then I would feel like I deserve it today, and then the next day I would not feel like I deserve it. So it's not on the basis of my works, lest any man think he gains advantage over another person, right, and boast. And say, well, I've done this much, so I've already earned this chair and two more chairs, right? <laughs> I've earned three chairs, and, I, and, I, and all these seats are for me, you know, and that's not the case. So, verse, um, when, we, when we come back to this concept, first sitting, Okay. Then we get to walking. So then Ephesians 2 10 says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto epi, which is positioned for good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. OK, so how well I walk is based on how well I sit. I'm seat. I, I know that my seat can't be taken. See, this is the thing is we've taught it backwards where, where if, if you don't walk right, your seat can be lost. Right? So guess what we do? We mess up one time. I've lost it anyways. I might as well just continue outside of this whole thing. I might as well just give up on this whole believing in God and Christianity and God and Jesus. I'm, I'm, I'm just over it because it's too much work. When everything that we've been working for has already been provided... So now here, here's the kicker. So it says that we are positioned, created in Christ Jesus, when we're in Christ, unto positioned for good works. So that means this position is, is sealed, right? Can't take this. So now when I walk, I walk, I, I can only walk as good as I believe that my seat won't be taken. I will not leave my seat if I think it can be taken, Right? If you know, if you're like, go to a movie theater, right? Right? If, if you're, if you have, if you, I've been there by myself. Have you been there by yourself before? Okay. I've been there by myself. And when you leave, right, at the beginning of a movie, don't, don't you all have that weird fear where it's like, hmm, if I leave, will someone take my seat? Even though I want popcorn, I best not leave. Right? Even though I'm thirsty, I better not leave. And that's the, that's the thing is that fear that we think that if we leave the chair, right? And this leaving of the chair is to walk, to do good works, okay? This is the, this is the walking worthy of the seat. I walk worthy of what I believe this seat's value is. I believe this heavenly seat that God has given me in Christ is of so much value that I, when I leave it, I make sure that I walk like I still belong in that seat. Like it's still my chair. It's not in fear of losing that chair. Okay. And then. So. Ephesians 4.1 says walk worthy of the calling. Walk worthy of, of the, the calling that God has called us out to. So we have to become. The, the walk worthy part is become occupied. As becoming of the calling. Okay. So that means your, your mind is fully occupied. With being worthy, not worthy in a sense where I've earned my status and my calling, but where I'm becoming of that calling. So if I'm a king, if I'm a priest in God, right, I don't act like a servant would. And I'm not talking about in arrogance. I'm talking about knowing, right? A king knows where his throne is. So when he leaves that throne and he goes and handle his business, right, he doesn't deal with petty things doesn't deal with minuscule things because he knows where his seat is. He knows what he has charge over. So when you think about this, this is, the, this is the challenge, right? We go through life. We go through circumstances that make us feel like God is judging us or God is, uh, uh, we're cursed or that we're, we're, we're um, kind of, God is not really happy with us. And so we're going through what we're going through because God is not happy with us, right? And since God is not happy with us, then maybe we've lost our seating. Maybe we ought to stop walking. Maybe we ought to stop believing that this seat can be taken or it can't be taken. So this, ba- this process in Ephesians is very strange, right? So you see, you see the, the, the seat seated, then you see the walking, right? You're seated. You're walking, but here comes the trick: standing. What is this standing for? So as you walk, you'll run into battles. As you walk in your Christian walk, right, in your in your Christian life, you're trying to live for God. You're you're, you're doing your best. You're giving your all, and you feel like your your heart's involved in it. You're searching after God, but here's you run into situations, issues, problems that you feel are overwhelming. You run into Goliaths, right? Like David. He's he's he's. He's just out there, providing lunch for his brothers, and then out of nowhere, like he sees that everyone's at a standstill, you know? It's kind of unique. It's like he comes, he's walking, right? He's just walking, he's, 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 he believes in God, he's a Jew. He's walking, he's just living. Then he stands, because what does he run into? A battle. Today we're gonna talk about living bold, but the only way you can live bold is how? How do you live bold? Without fear that your place can be taken. I cannot live bold. I cannot live with confidence thinking that my salvation is uncertain. Thinking that my walk with God is uncertain. Thinking that I have... That, that, that because of what I've done or because of what I've, the mistakes of my past that somehow my walk with God's in question. God wants this to be solidified. Jesus was divine. So that when He paid... Your payment was divine. And when he paid and when he resurrected, okay, he resurrected as a receipt, a divine receipt that your payment is eternal. It lives on forever. Your payment for the, the sin payment is an eternal payment. It's a divine consequence imputed to man because man sinned, right? So it's a divine payment imputed to man when man believes in Christ that it's paid not in a temporal way, but in a divine way, fully, you're covered, you're protected, it's sealed, it's done, live bold. Every decision you make, you make with boldness, not with arrogance, with boldness. So I'm talking about when you feel sick in your body, boldness. My my walk with God's not in question because I feel sick in my body. Some people feel like they're being cursed by God because they're sick in their body. Guess what? What does that produce? Condemnation. What have I done to earn this? What have I done to deserve this bad happening to me? You see situations in your life that are not favorable to you. And you're like, what have I done? Like, God, like, what, what sins have I done that are, that are, that are like, worthy of this kind of consequence, of this kind of suffering? You had a man born in John 9. He was born blind. And the disciples asked, oh, is this man born blind? Like, because of his parents' sin? Is it a generational curse? because of his parents' sin? And Jesus said no. It's so that the glory of God could be manifested, so that God could show himself strong through that man's weakness. And so every time, because of the fact that this seat can't be taken, that you see something wrong in your life, right? It's an opportunity for you to activate your faith and say, here's a time for God to shine. This is the opportunity, when I'm in lack, Here's an opportunity for God to shine. When I'm sick, here's an opportunity for God to shine. Because I don't get healed without God. I don't get provided for without God. I don't overcome without God. And that's the kind of dependence that we need on God. That's the issue. Is that God wants us to get us to a place of dependence on Him. Right? Where I depend on Him so much. And it's not on us almost in any way. Except for believing that He's taking care of it all. Right? Because he doesn't trust this body to produce anything good. And the Bible says, in the flesh dwells no good thing. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. Why? So we don't depend on this body for anything. We don't depend on it to be saved. We don't depend on it to be right with God. We don't depend on it to do the right thing, to do the good things, to have integrity, to be loving and kind. So that when we're in a situation where we feel like we'll compromise, we don't go there. We won't go there in the first place. Because we know that this flesh can be tempted. We know that this flesh can be compromised. We know that this body, right? This is why we continue to come to church. Because we know that this body, right? If left alone, if left in isolation, if left by itself, will corrode, fade away. You leave a house, right? By itself for 10, 15 years. You're going to find a lot of dust in it. Even if it's brand new and you leave it sealed, right? You're going to find issues with it because the earth is corroding, decaying. So... You walk, you, you, you. you're seated, you walk, and then when you run into battle, you stand. So this means that the fight is coming to you, okay? Especially when you are walking, but you are walking because you believe you are seated. The devil wants to rob you of this, and this is how it works. He wants to make you believe you can't stand because you haven't walked right. So when the battles come, he wants to make you think that you shouldn't even be entertaining this battle, that you could even win this battle because you haven't been walking right. When your victory is not on the basis of you, right? You're seating because of Christ. You're walking because of Christ. And you're standing because of Christ. And so that no man can boast. So that no one can take credit. So that no one can compare and say, I've done more he's done less, Right? It's this, it's this graph upside. Your, this this this. It's almost like the stock market graph, right? You're going up, you're going down, you're going up, right? And then God's like, okay, no matter where you are on this graph, here's my grace. Caps it off at the top, and then however much you lack, where, That's the that's the difference that God's grace provides. So this is the this is the unique thing. What Paul said, right? That my my uh, my his strength is made perfect in weakness. So he's saying this is if I see myself as down here. I can receive more grace. It's not to say that you live down here or you act like you're down here, right? It's just that in perception of the world and life and everything that's going around us, if I can see myself as weak and nothing, none of it coming from myself, then I find the full measure of His grace in my life. But if I think I'm up here and I only need this much to His grace, right? Then how much of God do I really have or get? Not much. So, this is how we can be humble. This is how you truly give, God gives grace to the humble, right? You, you see yourself in relation to God down here. Doesn't mean you're insecure. It just means that your confidence is in something else other than yourself. Right? Okay. So, amen? So far? Okay. Amen? Amen. amen. All right, all right, all right. So, Ephesians 6, so here comes here comes the the, the the battle how many admit that we go through battles right, we fight wars we have lots of challenges right, we have lots of issues and things that um, can get in our way in life and make us discouraged right, does everyone have everything that they want and need that they feel like they want and need right now okay I, it, it's not common Right, Everyone at some point feels like I need this and I want this and I don't have it and why not, right? I have faith for it and it's not happening. We all kind of are in those positions. So I'm going to read from Ephesians 6 and this is the last chapter of Ephesians And this has to do with the standing part. Today's today's conversation is focused on the standing, okay? So I'm going to grab this because we're going to need it. You need some legs. So, this is the full armor of God, okay? We're going to learn about the full armor of God. And we're going to learn about it from a a grace perspective. Because that's the New Testament is a dispensation or a period of time of grace. What does grace mean? Undeserved, unearned favor of God. You can't get good enough for it. You can't deserve it. You never did deserve it. And when you try to deserve it, you basically... You 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 disqualify yourself from it. The only way to disqualify from grace is to try and earn it. It has to be received as a gift. It has to be received as free. Okay? Otherwise, you'll think that somewhere along the line that what you're doing is your payment for your sin. Right? You make mistakes. And have you ever tried to kind of like rectify it? Like fix it? It's like, okay, do all these things to somehow feel better about yourself. And what you did. But you can never for some reason. Get there. Isn't that kind of like frustrating? Right? Is it like when you make a big mistake. It's like you can't make it right. No matter how hard you try. It just feels so. So helpless. You know. And this this is what God has come. To help us with today. This is what God has come to. To help us overcome this battle. The battle that we face. Okay. Isn't against each other. So I'm going to read, finally, my, verse 10, 6:10, Ephesians 6:10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, okay? And the power of his might is in the power that shows his strength. Be strong, okay? Have a demonstration of his power that shows his strength, okay? So this armor that we're going to talk about right now is the power that really shows how strong God is. That really shows how wise God is. That really shows how amazing God is. Okay? This armor that he's going to talk about. We're in context. Okay? We're going to be in context right now. So we're talking about the armor. Verse 11. So put on the whole or full armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The word wiles here is methodia, which is like cunning arts. It's the Greek word methodia, which is cunning arts. So that you may be able to stand, put on the armor, so that you can stand against the cunning arts of the devil. So when the devil attacks, it's a cunning art. Okay? And it's not so much it's not so much your possessions or properties or titles or positions or the things in life that we have that he's after. He's after this seat. He wants to make us believe this seat is in question. When we believe the gospel, Jesus died, buried, resurrected, right? We believe that. We have faith in that, right? We become a participant in salvation, and our, in our, in our salvation journey begins. First Corinthians uh, 15, 1 through 4, talks about the gospel, right? We have faith in the gospel. Jesus died, buried, resurrected. We participate in the gospel. How? We repent. We're baptized, and, and we wait on the filling of the Spirit. God will fill us with the Spirit. It's a promise. It's a guarantee for someone who believes, and here's, here's, here's where it gets interesting, is he's saying, put on the whole armor of God, okay, that you may be able to stand against the cunning arts of the devil. So I'm walking, right, I'm walking in my walk, I'm, 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 I'm living it out, right, I'm, tr- I'm trying to do good, right, I'm seeking God, and, and I'm living for him, and then all of a sudden, I fall. Do you think that's just by, like, default? No, the devil's not omnipresent. There's nothing in scripture that tells us the devil's omnipresent. So what does the devil do? He sets cunning traps. Very crafty, cunning traps that were set months ago. He's like a vulture that preys on your personality. He'll prey on your personality. And what he'll do is he'll set something over here. Okay? That way, you fall over here. And you wonder how you got there. You wonder why you did that. You wonder why this happened this way, right? And it doesn't make sense. It's like, how did I get here? It just happened overnight. No, with the devil, none of it happens overnight. It's cunning, it's crafty. And he's planned it where he does like a, it's one of those like, rigamaroo things, I don't even know what it's called, but it's just like, it, it, it's a flip of a switch, right, and boom, and then something jumps here, boom, you know, you see those kid movies, right, like Home Alone, and like, it's a chain reaction of traps, where he was over here when he set the trap, but he has nothing to do with you falling for it. He set the trap, and it, yes, and he's after you, right? But, he's after you, but don't think, like, it's kind of funny how we fancy ourselves, like, the, the devil's actually gonna be attacking us individually, When the devil's not omnipresent. Give him a little too much credit. Is that he's, oh, you know, he's roaming about the earth, seeking whom he may, permission, may, devour. He's seeking whom he may by permission. When he came up to God, could he touch Job? No. So what did he need? Permission. So the devil can't touch you, except by your own permission. Set by your own permission, which means, what does that mean? Is it you're confident in the flesh? Somewhere in our nature, we, in our, in our, in our life, in, in some area of our life, we become confident in the flesh, where we trust in self, where we put hope in self. And when we look to self, if you look long enough, you see, you don't see much good. You might see some good, right? Some talents, some abilities, some good moments, some great memories. But then when you, when you kind of dig a little deeper, there's something just off about self. That we're all selfish. We're all self-centered. We're all... And this is why we shouldn't judge each other or be surprised when people do certain things. Obviously, we don't want certain things to happen in our society, but it's not surprising because the flesh is capable of anything. And most of it is devised by a cunning trap of the devil, right? Because the Bible says... We're saved for good works. So you're given this seat for, so that you, when you get off the seat, to go do for God, that you don't have to worry about that. Your salvation being in question, right? We're saved for good works. So that's why we have this immovable seat. But we talk about if you don't do the good works, it means you're not saved. No, it means you don't believe you have this seat. It means you believe it can be taken away. And that's where believers end up living in sin. So here, verse 12, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So it's saying, put on the whole armor of God so that we may be able to stand against the wiles. And this is why we stand. Because if you keep walking, you can't use your good works to fight the spiritual battle. You can't use good deeds to win a spiritual war. That's why you don't continue walking. You stand. When you see a battle coming, you stand. You don't continue walking. If you continue walking, you're going to end up thinking that what your goodness, the good things that you're doing will overcome the trap that's set before you. Okay? And that... Will end up not being the case because we're going to read why because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood we're not wrestling against each other we're not fighting against each other so why are we so focused on what other people are doing their actions and deeds right when the battle when their errors in personality come from a falling into this trap into a trap specially designed for them Where people live in bad mindsets. Have you ever met people with bad mindsets? Really negative, right? It's a trap that they've fallen into. And so when they've fallen into that trap, then they have a bad attitude or bitter toward you. And then you respond to them because you're like thinking you're taking it personal. When in reality, what's the issue? It's that spiritual trap that was set. Right? It's that that has created that negative pattern in their life. And instead of praying against that pattern, we take it personal. So we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. The war we are fighting isn't against people. It's against condemnation and the judgment of the devil. If we have issues, it's not towards each other, even though it may feel that way. So verse 13, wherefore, take on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand, again, withstand, in the evil day, or uh, the, the Greek phrases it that way, but... The English phrases it that way, but the Greek kind of phrases it this way when it's written uh, it's transliterated word for word the day of evil things so there will be days of evil things in our life and having done all to stand okay, so the armor is there to help us stand in the evil day when evil things happen evil things happen, right? to us, but what is the armor for? to protect us against it so let's learn what this armor is. And I brought a little model here so that we can point it out, right? That way we're on the same page. Um, think of a soldier really quick. First 1 Timothy 1.18 says, This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before thee, that thou mightest, that, that mightest war a good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience, which some have put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck. So he says, holding faith, Here's, here's how you war good war. Holding faith. Holding faith. We, we're going to talk about the shield of faith right now. Okay, So he's mentioning how to war good war. He didn't say war good war by like your, your good actions and deeds. He says holding faith. I'm holding something called faith. And here. And a good conscience. Which some have put away concerning faith. This is the justification by faith, okay, and made shipwreck. How do we make shipwreck? By putting away justification by faith. We're justified, we're right with God because of what Jesus did on the cross, amen? We're right with God because of what Jesus did on the cross, amen? Amen. So if we're right with God because of what he did, and and we put that away, then we make shipwreck. This isn't just a concept of faith where I'm just having faith in God, a blanket, blanket faith, right? No, this is justification by faith. Okay, because you're gonna you're gonna see the Apostle Paul go on in Timothy, in Ephesians, to talk about the gospel and salvation and all these essential things that are foundational to us. So, we make disaster in our lives when we stop holding faith in a good conscience. So, now here is. The, we're going to go through the scriptures, okay? Uh, verse 14, Ephesians 6, 14. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. So, here's, a, here's, a, here's how, a lot, oftentimes, here's the girdle, okay? You see the girdle? Okay. Now this is the interesting part, is that beneath the girdle is the, kind of like that, the center point of man, the weakest point of man. But at, what it's really referring to Is the seed of man okay? The seed of man it's gird yourself, protect your seed, and what we understand this to mean is your fruitfulness. Okay, we wear the girdle. This is a faith thing, we're doing this in faith. This is not actual, we're not actually going to wearing this full armor, right? We're by faith. What is that girdle? Truth. So it's not an actual girdle, it's just truth. This is why we say right believing gives birth to right living. So truth is what helps me bear fruit, to stay fruitful in the middle of a battle. That's a challenge, right? You have some things that happen to us that make us stop living for God, right? But the truth, if I have faith in the truth, it becomes how I stay fruitful. Because there's a temptation. Do I stop believing in the truth because of what I see? Do I stop holding the truth because of what I see in my life? And I see a lot of things that might be opposite, right, to God. It's not a girdle of truth. Truth is the girdle truth is the girdle. So when you talk about that protection, right? It, truth is what keeps you fruitful. It protects your ability to be fruitful for God. So we got to stay in the truth. Stay in the truth of the word. And what we're talking about right now, justification by faith. So, here goes the next one. And the having on the breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness is my breastplate. But what's righteousness? This isn't like a go do right and then call yourself righteous, right? This is a imparted righteousness that I'm righteous by faith. I'm right with God and I have righteousness that's given to me as a gift, right? And the more I have faith in that, that I'm righteous apart from my actions, the more it protects my heart. Think about it. If, 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 you could only be right with God by your deeds, right? If that's the only way. How much would your heart suffer, your emotions? A lot. We, we already in our bodies naturally feel the pressure, right? When you, when you fell God, what happens to your heart? Guilt. Does guilt produce anything good in men? No. A guilty person doesn't do good things because they're convinced that there's no avenue of redemption there's no way to make it right that's what that's what that guilt tries to persuade you this is why the devil wants to attack us in this area in our righteousness so we have to put on our righteousness as our protection for our vital organs right all the vital organs of our christianity you're talking about your fruits of the spirit gifts of the spirit that none of this is because of our own effort and our own goodness. It's given to us as a gift. So it can't be taken away by man because it wasn't given by man. That's why the Bible says gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Right? They're given on the basis of his righteousness. So because he made me righteous, I'm righteous, not because I'm righteous in my own actions. And so that's what protects my vital organs. That's what protects my heart. Or else, guess what? If it's on the basis of how I feel about what I'm doing for God and what I'm not doing for God. That sends people to crazy land. How many times have you felt crazy in your mind? Like you felt mentally? And I'll put it this way. Because it creates mental instability. Believing that your righteousness can be achieved in yourself. And then when you try, and you can't, then what? Because we can't, right? There's none to do with good, no, not one. Oh, even the Bible says it. Amen? Okay, so, it's the righteousness protects the vital organs. First page, right? It, it came falling apart, um, Praise God for Amy that she glued it back together. And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, okay? The gospel is the path that you walk, okay? That's the gospel, the preparation of peace. It's like, you want true peace? Be ready to present the gospel as the answer to all things. The gospel isn't just an answer to your salvation. Salvation in the Greek is twofold, it's physical and spiritual. So it's salvation from hell, but it's also salvation from physical things. Sickness, disease, lack of wholeness, brokenness, right? So you think about these two elements and that the gospel is on your feet because guess what? It's the answer to all things. How does the gospel affect your emotions? How does the gospel affect your mind? How does the gospel affect your work? How does the gospel affect your family and relationships, right? The gospel affects your relationships like this because you're given love so that you can love. That you don't have to love from yourself. That you ask God to show you how much he loves them. If you can't forgive, ask God to show you how much he loves them and ask him to fill it so that you can love them. It's not a dependence on myself to conjure up love and figure it out right, and muster up strength in my own self. So the gospel is meant to be the shoes in which we walk everywhere we go. The gospel is the answer. The gospel is the answer and it protects your feet from snakes, (laughs) amen? The gospel protects your feet from being poisoned, being bitten, right? If you can't walk, what can you really do? You're difficult. can't stand. So you stand with the armor of God. You don't walk with the armor of God. Notice this. Because it's, it's a life of rest and peace still. When you're in battle, it's not about mustering up and fighting and trying to overcome and making it happen. It's a battle of stop. Recognize what you have. You're righteous by faith. You have the gospel that's the answer to all things, right? You have the girdle of truth. Is it, if I know that if I stick to the right beliefs, that the right things will come. That I'll do the, I'll end up doing the right things if I continue to believe the right things. Keep going. And above all, taking the shield of faith. So here's the fun one. Shield of faith, right? Wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Faith is our shield justification by faith God isn't withholding good from you because of your bad God is not withholding good from you because you make mistakes notice how Abraham lies God blesses him Abraham is justified by faith he lies again God still blesses him right it's because the goodness of God is what leads us to repentance it's that God is good in spite of ourselves And that's what leads us to repentance. So the fiery darts are darts of accusation. Oh, look, you said you're a Christian, boom, right? Look what you did. Oh, you're right with God, really? Look at those actions, right? But this is the beauty is that that Jesus is our advocate, right? Satan's the prosecutor. Hasatan is the prosecutor, the adversary. Um, another Greek word for, for the devil is diabolos. It's like he's diabolical, right? So he, he has diabolical plans for us. And his main agenda is accusation. So he wants to throw darts at us and make us believe, okay, that we're not, that this is happening because of our actions, because of what we've done, right? He wants us to look at ourselves for the answers. And so as we're looking at ourselves for the answers, we don't find any. So what do we do? I'm justified. I'm right with God because of what Jesus did on the cross. I'm right with God because of what Jesus did on the cross. Is it, I can have a confident expectation of good because Jesus received all my bad. I can expect good because Jesus received all my bad. It's double jeopardy. You can't pay for what he paid for. If he paid for it, stop trying to pay for it. The devil's trying to make you believe you can pay for it still. But if you believe in Christ, you can't pay for it because he already paid for it. Right? Amen. So our faith is our shield. It's our justification by faith. Then it says in 17, and take the helmet of salvation. Okay. Salvation is your helmet. Knowing that I'm saved. Okay. Protects my mind knowing that I'm saved makes me immovable all those bad thoughts right of accusation of of you're not good enough of you're nothing and insecurity and doubt right can be solved with one thing helmet of salvation I'm saved and nothing can rob me of that no one can rob me of that the devil can't rob me of that I'm not in question about it I'm standing knowing I'm saved. I'm standing knowing I have the truth and that it'll, it'll produce right actions. I'm standing knowing that I'm justified by faith. I'm standing knowing that I'm right with God. That I have righteousness. That I am righteous not because of what I do, but because of what Jesus did on the cross. I'm standing in the gospel. Notice how these are all elements of what? Yeah, you stand in all of them. But here's the thing. It's It's not an act, it's a belief, it's a faith that these things are available to you when you're in battle. Notice how it has all the tools that we get have nothing to do with our effort or energy, right? They all have to do with solidifying a different aspect of the truth about God and what he's done for the world and what he's done for us right? Truth. So when we people say truth, they always say truth, oh yeah, you know, the Bible says you know be shame-faced, so don't wear makeup, right? People want to be like that and say stuff like that. And say, that's the truth and stand in that. No, we're not talking about those, those relative things. Okay? Those, those, those cultural things. We're talking about elements of truth that are time-tested and unchangeable because guess what? Everything before the cross, every person believed that the cross would happen. Okay? Everything after the cross, we believe that the cross did happen. So all signs of, of time face this way toward the cross, whether from the back or to the forward, right, to right now. They all look to this event. Because Abraham was made righteous by faith because he looked forward, right? We're made righteous by faith because we're looking backward at what happened on the cross. It's the same event. Then here's the fun one. I know you guys want to go to war, so, right? And the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. How many of you like to fight? A little aggressive, right? Um, Sword of the spirit. Which is the word of God. So the word of God is the sword, okay? Now, here's here's the thing, is that sometimes there's going to be things that attack you that get really close to home. And this is the thing, you do not have the means to win the battle. There's things that are gonna overcome you that, that you will feel like, this is more than I can bear. You know how people say, oh, there's no more, you know, God won't put no more on you than you can bear. Let me tell you that, that's not a scripture. That's not in the Bible. The Bible doesn't say God won't put no more on you than you can. He said that if any temptation overcome you, which is common to man, that he'll make a way of escape, okay? And and temptation can be interchangeable with testing. So there's there's testings, there's temptations that will befall us, right? But there will be a way of escape. God promises that. But guess what? There's times where you feel like things are overbearing, right? We don't have to lie to ourselves, like right? we don't have to say, oh, God won't put no more than we can bear and then pretend that, oh, this isn't, this is not, no more than I can bear. And we say that to kind of make ourselves feel better that maybe we're just misunderstanding the situation. No, there's a clear amount of things in my life that have happened that I know for certain, and I've talked to God about this, and I'm like, that's more than I could bear. Clearly more than I could bear. Look how I acted. <laughs> right? Look what I did. Look at the decisions I made. That's more than I can bear. But... There's a way of escape. And I'm not saying that to leave you hopeless. As I'm saying the, the answer to the no more than I can bear, the, I can't bear this, is the sword of the spirit. Okay? Because in those times, all you have is the sword of the spirit. You stand and you declare the word. As it is written, if I say unto this mountain, be thou removed, cast into the sea, Right? Having faith, it shall be done. You declare. God is not a man that he should lie. So when all things, when it says all things work together for my good, he means it. He means it. That means if everything that you wished in your life, like you're, you're afraid of, oh, if this happened, I would be done, right? We all have that thing, right? If this happened, I'd be done. I'd walk away, right? If this happened, I'd be done. We all have those things in our mind that are we're kind of afraid of. But here's the beauty: we can battle those things, those fears, with the word. It's a declaration that all things work together for my good. Which means that even if the worst thing that you are afraid of happened to you, you would still make it out okay, and it would end in good for you, for your benefit. That you would win at the end. That when weapons formed, okay? When armies formed, when attacks are formed, when accusation is formed and it's just against you, that it wouldn't prosper. That it wouldn't have full success against you. That it may look big, it may look like a tsunami's about to tumble on you, and justly so. Yeah, hit me with a tsunami guy because I deserve it, right? That it wouldn't prosper. Because of why? Because that's what the word says. And God is not a man that he should lie nor the son of man that he should repent nor have to take anything back. He doesn't change his mind about anything. He's not changing his mind about things working for your good. He's not changing his mind about nothing being able to separate you. He's not changing his mind when he says nothing can pluck you out of my hands. He's not changing his mind when he says those things that you are mine and I will be with you always to the ends of the world. He's not changing his mind right something will happen that makes you feel that he'll leave you but he won't because his word says opposite so when you don't have faith you need your sword okay so that you can get to faith because your sword is the weapon the one weapon you have for offense right because guess what sometimes as you're standing, you're in a, you feel like you're taking a beating, right? Your justification by faith's not working. Your righteousness is not working. Your helmet of salvation isn't working. And all you have are the written words of God. And you're just standing on it as your weapon, as your sword, as your way to conduct battle when you feel like there's no hope. But it still says it in the book. So I'm going to trust the book. So it's also prophetic utterances like healing, right? You're sick. I fight with the spirit. By his stripes I'm healed. Prince of peace. I have Christ, I have access to peace. Wisdom, right? I'm lacking wisdom, he freely gives wisdom. I can trust God that in a situation where I don't have for him to step in my behalf. And then verse 18 says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. So praying always with all prayer and it's saying just all kinds of prayer, all types of prayer and supplication. Praying always, with the dip, whether it's you're praying in the spirit or whether you're praying in English. It's, it's, it's praying with all prayer. Okay? And prayer is simple, right? We've, we've learned prayer to be a little more simple than what we've been taught. It's, it's about having faith. It's not about how long you pray. It's about having faith when you pray. If someone prays for two seconds and has faith, it beats eight hours of prayer with no faith. Right? Amen? But somewhere in those eight hours, yeah, someone can have faith and those eight hours seem to avail to achieve something, right? Because somewhere they had faith. So we understand that. So when we talk about prayer, it's not some religious thing. It's God, I don't have it, but you have it. So when we bring people in prayer, what are we saying? God, they don't have it, but you have it. Right. When we pray for someone, that's what we're saying. They're confessing they don't have it, but God, you have it. God, they're lacking, but you have it. Right? They're in low supply, but you're the God of supply. Amen. Does that kind of make sense? You guys still with me? You're hanging in there. Okay. <laughs> um, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So we gotta we have to be able to pray these prayers to activate our full weaponry, right? our, our our protection, our shield, and our and our weapon. And then it says in verse nineteen, And for me the utterance may be given unto me that I may openly that I may open my mouth boldly and make known the mystery of the gospel. So so this is the funny part, is it because you always kind of have that, that we've always been taught like this, this armor is a more like religious thing, right? It's something that you can do, but these are just acts of faith, right? Acts of faith, that this is this, this is that, this is this, and this is how it protects this, right? Because every, every part that it mentions, right? Every part of us represents what the work that we do with our hands and the sword goes into the hands right so that, so that as we are ready to fight the devil with our hands with whatever it is we're doing we are acting in faith that when we say the words that it is our weapon and that it's it's our way to win the battle here's the last part the mystery of the gospel what's the mystery of the gospel read your context why does every element have to do with the gospel? Every element is solidified in, with the go- in elements of the gospel, justification by faith, right, imparted righteousness, I mean, truth, faith, the word of God, right? All these different elements, right? This is, the, this is the battle that we face. Is it, this is the real battle that we face. It's not about all these external things. It's this one battle. The devil wants to get you to believe this seat can be taken. So that while you're out there standing or walking, he thinks that if he beats you out here, somewhere along the line, he'll convince you that you lost this. But this can never be taken. This is the battle that we face. Can this be taken? Will you let it be taken? Because this is where we operate. This is where everything operates from, right? This is where everything in our life operates from. Having this seat solidified so that when I get up and I live for God, I know that he for sure is for me with no doubt. With no doubt, every element of the armor of God shows that God is for me, apart from me. Apart from it having to do anything with me except for me having faith that those things are what he says they are. Amen? So stand with me.